Hello. Hi. <laughs> hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to Environmental with Dandelion. We're your hosts, Ab and Quartz. And today we are so, so excited to be talking about a really, really cool, really innovative product in the sustainable packaging space. And we have an incredible guests. Yeah, but before we before we jump in, please like and subscribe. We have a goal. We want to hit 300 subscribers this month, and it would be super helpful. You could just hit that little button down there. <laughs> Ding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we are so excited. We are joined today by Kayla Feller, who is the Communications and Partnership Manager at Bezios. Kayla, thank you so much for being here. Hi, yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be on today. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So happy to have you. So can you tell us a little bit about Bezios and what you're all about? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. That's a little raspy today. <laughs> um, so Bezios is a green tech uh, company. Um, our lab is based here in Barcelona. Um, and we focus on making the next generation of, of, of packaging based from seaweed. So basically, um, a lot of us know the issues with plastic pollution. Um, and so it's really, I mean, the main ones start from the feedstock itself, which is fossil fuels, and the end of life of the product. Um, oftentimes, um, or the majority of the time, plastic ends up uh, leaking into natural waste streams, which is causes pollution and harms uh, natural environments, especially aquatic ones. Um, and this has had several ramifications um, leading to disrupting natural, uh, disrupting ecosystems and also the creation of microplastics, which is New studies are showing that this is also affecting humans and being found in our food streams. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's a big, big problem. And I think that uh, a lot of uh, consumers are becoming more and more aware of that. And so this has created a demand in the market for a sustainable packaging. So yeah, Bezios is really just trying to fill that gap in the market and um, provide consumers with something that is truly sustainable because, you know, there are some packaging uh, that is labeled as quote unquote biodegradable or sure. et cetera. And yeah. these, these quote unquote bioplastics are actually more so deceptive um, it's, it, and some of them are not actually a true solution that's going to solve this issue. It's kind of almost deceptive marketing, AKA greenwashing, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure you guys are super familiar with that. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so basically with BZS, why we chose seaweed is because seaweed is kind of this miracle crop. So First off, seaweed grows incredibly fast. It grows about 25 times faster than land-based plants. Uh, another thing is seaweed is kind of this carbon sequestration powerhouse. Um, as it grows, it naturally uh, sequesters carbon from the 
uh, atmosphere. So kind of making it this nature-driven solution towards climate change. Um, also, uh, as it grows, it actually removes excess nitrates from the water, which helps combat oh, wow. ocean acidification. Yeah, which combats um, ocean acidification, uh, which is usually caused by agricultural runoff mm -hmm. um, leading, yeah. And um, also just the warming waters as well, just a shift in nutrients and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, seaweed also provides, um, it fosters um, marine biodiversity um, because wherever there's seaweed in the water, there's also life. Um, it's a yep. food source for many, it's a shelter. Um, so it's really just this um, center for life. <laughs> oh. And so, yeah, it's also incredibly abundant. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of why we've chosen it as our biomass. Um, and it can, and it's biopolymers can be made into packaging um, applications. So yeah, that's why really we focus on seaweed. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> yes. Like there's no downside. I see no downside. <laughs> you see? Well, <laughs> I mean, of course, like there, so we're actually, um, we work with seaweed cultivators mm. who grow and cultivate the seaweed. And then we focus on uh, material compounding, which is basically like developing uh, formulations that, yeah, can basically manipulate seaweed extracts and turn it into suitable packaging and final products. So we work on that. Um, and then also we work directly with manufacturers to help create um, either uh, the final product, which it comes usually in a form of like flexible films or paper coating. Those are like the main applications we're trying to replace. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, or in the form of pellets. So we've developed these seaweed-based pellets that we, um, in the future, hope to, in addition to final products to food retailers, also sell these pellets to converters. And converters are basically just people who create um, packaging and then sell it to whoever needs it. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Wow. So you can work with the manufacturers or you can just sell the raw materials to the manufacturers so so we work we partner up with the manufacturers and the pellets are basically it's the foundation of all packaging it's the same for packaging that you're familiar with before it's in its final form per se it comes in this form of pellets mm -hmm. and then they go through different processes different machines different techniques and you get a final product. So we have been developing seaweed-based pellets instead mm -hmm. of fossil-based pellets. So you can, wow. yeah. So you can also, <clears throat> we wouldn't be selling the raw materials, but we would be in the future be selling these pellets to converters who would then use that right. to make um, <laughs> packaging. 
that makes sense. So there's still like a process to creating those pellets that you do to kind of refine it, but then, but they can then take, take that final step of actually creating that into packaging. And it, this is, it, it's, it's like a film, right? It's kind of like the, a thin plastic, is that right? It's not like, um, like hard plastic packaging, like, I don't know, something like this or something. It's more flexible like plastic. The... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically um, flexible films. Um, I have, I can actually grab a sample. Perfect, um, yeah. I would love to see the prototypes and, and what you're doing. Yeah, so one example of a seaweed-based film that could re replace fossil-based films is a what we call a window. So you've probably oh, seen yeah. it. So this is like a little mini baguette. Um, yeah. So you've probably seen this in the supermarket where there's paper products that have like a little window mm -hmm. um, that has plastic. So we have a few prototypes that have replaced that, that window with our seaweed-based wow. films. And the films are really versatile. It can be used in several different applications. Another application is um they're called sachets um which can be used for snacks so this one basically has just some nuts in it um and then this one yeah is another seaweed based sachet that can be has some more little snacks so in there as well um and then for different applications um some of the films are soluble so they can replace um, fossil-based um, detergent pods no as way. well. Oh, yeah, that's great. Whoa, because that goes straight so, into the waterways. That's wow. really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, honestly, there's so many possibilities in terms of which applications sewage-based packaging could be used for. Really, where we're at, it's just that it's um, it's research and development. Uh, packaging is actually a lot more complex than you would think. Um, yes. There's a lot of factors that affect it. So seaweed for biomaterials is such a new field. It just, it's taking time. You know, you have to see, you know, what's the shelf life for this? Can it handle the X amount of humidity? Um, is it durable? Um, can it handle moisture? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's really, I would say, what we're focusing on is just really identifying these bottlenecks. So at the moment, we're most suitable for dry and greasy products. But as we um, continue to, with R&D, you know, these bottlenecks, you know, kind of find yeah. solutions and stuff Definitely. like that. Definitely. But yeah. Just one more little thing. I also, this is kind of what the pellets look like. Um, yeah, we were looking on your website at the. Hmm. That's really yeah, interesting. So, so and basically, they get, like, what happens? Out. Yeah, so basically, it actually starts out as a filament. So this is a seaweed-based filament. So it looks like a yeah. noodle. Exactly, <laughs> it looks like spaghetti. We call them spaghettis here. <laughs> Um, so it starts and then it goes through a machine that cuts them and makes them into pellets. 
And then with these pellets, then you uh, use them in different uh, just machinery. So mainly cast extrusion, extrusion, blow molding. Um, those are a few examples. And that's how you make packaging, essentially. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's kind of what makes Cesio stand out is actually the ability to use conventional uh, machinery. Um, we kind of go beyond a lab setting because uh, there are there are other companies that are producing great things as well, but kind of a bit more so lab scale. And I think in order to kind of make a a real impact in in yeah. terms of scale, you know, there needs to be able to be there needs to be the technology in order to scale out the solution in order for it to actually Absolutely. make that impact, I think. Um, wow. Thank you so much yeah. for showing those. Cause that definitely like, yeah, makes it, I don't know, it's easier yeah. to conceptualize for sure. Yeah. We're also working on developing single use. Yeah. So this is a cup. Um, yeah. This, also has and they're single you know, use because they get squishy or <clears throat> well i usually single use is just it's better for our applications since um you know plastic when when it's used especially with like liquids nothing happens because it's um hydrophobic it repels yeah. water but seaweed is hydrophilic, so really likes water. So just applications at this moment, at least with a shorter shelf life, meaning like also you can say shorter shelf life with use as well, um, yeah. just kind of makes more sense at this moment. And also, I mean, single-use plastics are a huge issue. So it's, it's also it's a, good, a yeah. good alternative to that as well. Um, yeah. But I actually wanted to go into the point where you said um, that there's no downside. So yeah, there's just to like kind of play devil's advocate, not devil's oh, advocate, yeah. these, are, I, these are just things that- real, The reality of it, absolutely, it, yeah. Yeah, I, so one thing is uh, to make sure that seaweed remains sustainable is um, it's just the way it's cultivated. And since it's a new industry, um, I mean, there's been seaweed cultivation for like centuries, you know, mm -hmm. but I think when we're thinking about it at scale and stuff like that, like I think a lot of people ask, like, can you scale this out and can it be done sustainably, you know? Um, so it's just make, making sure that there's regulation to make sure that it's being grown and it's just harder to regulate um, yeah. <clears throat> things that are not grown on land. Uh, sure. It's harder to calculate everything. It's hard to supervise everything when it's <clears throat> aquaculture. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so I would just say like in order to ensure that seaweed as a biomaterial remains like truly sustainable, there has to also be like regulations um, from government entities and just certain standards like agriculture yeah. that need to be met in order to not harm or disrupt yeah, natural processes. 
that makes sense. I don't want anybody to go wild harvest all the seaweed out there and like think yeah, exactly. make a bunch of money from it. Like that totally. Yeah, no, there's quite yeah, a process yeah. also needed to take the raw material into something that's usable. So it's mm-hmm. certainly something that, yeah. Are there different scale? Yeah. Are there any laws around it or any laws coming? I know that like legislation is always behind mm-hmm. innovation. Yeah. Yeah, so for I sure. If that's, yeah, something you guys have thought about or are working towards or partnered with or know any anything about. Yeah. So since we are, like I said, we don't cultivate the seaweed, but we work closely with our seaweed partners who do. So that's, um, I wouldn't say that's my specialization. However, I mean, it also depends um, uh, on the jurisdiction, jurisdiction, um, like in terms of regulation and laws and stuff like that. But in, in the EU, I definitely think that there's, that there's a conversation and that there's, um, probably mainly Nordic countries that are like developing these laws and regulations. However, I, I'm not aware of specific ones at the moment. But um, I think that definitely our seaweed partners are on top of that and are follow that really closely. Um, but yeah, no, for us too, especially in terms of when we scale up, um, it's very important to, to have this insight on our supply and its, mm-hmm. its ability to, to stay um, uh, reliable and consistent and not you know, run into these types of problems and stuff like that. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's something that most industries to date have yet to do, right? They're like, in the beginning, they're like, it's abundant, we're fine. Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of like, take, 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 take. And then like in Michigan, for instance, where I'm from, all the cedar trees are gone. Because they didn't learn how the cedar plant grows, which is from other cedar trees. Like, uh, so now that industry has gone there and they've planted rows and rows of pine trees, which is not much better, right? They just cut them down and then they have to take another 18 years. Like they didn't do the research until it was already too late. I appreciate, I appreciate that you're doing it up front. We are committed to um, being a sustainable company. And I think, you know, in order to truly be sustainable, you have to think of things really from start to finish. And also just in a more circular way than like what you were describing, just very linear sounding, like just cut, use, dispose and continue the cycle. Um, But yeah, another aspect of making sure seaweed based packaging is sustainable is actually the disposal of at the end of life. So while um, this our p- products are completely biodegradable and they're also home compostable, um, I've done a test on my balcony and the, um, the sample degraded in less than like seven weeks. So it degrades really, really fast and you don't need any special facilities. Um, so that's degrade too fast. Seven weeks isn't very long. Like if it's in, does it need to be stored a certain way? Oh, well, that's, 
Well, that's if you put it in like a garden or compost yeah. setting. It, it won't it won't okay. degrade like like on your countertop or something like that. Okay. Um, I, but if you throw yeah, if you throw it away in, in a garden setting where there's soil and moisture and microorganisms, yeah, it's going it's going to compost. Um, but having said that, um, <clears throat> I would say a lot of consumers when there are materials that are considered as biodegradable, they don't really know which, where to throw that away, which bin, you know, it, or even if people are people, even people should be sorting. But I think it requires just some education. Even when I first started, I was asking myself like, so if it's home compostable, but I don't, you know, a lot of people live in apartments and they don't have a compost bin. It's not possible. Where, where, where do I throw this away? And so it actually, it would go in the kind of quote unquote, the green in the U S it's like the green trash can mm -hmm. where you put all the um, bio waste essentially. Mm -hmm. So all the gardening materials and so, yeah, it goes in there and <clears throat> it's processed like that. So it's also important to, to kind of have this, to make it clear for consumers to know, okay, this goes here, um, mm -hmm. because it's not always clear and it yeah, contaminates different with, bins. Yeah, especially with like the windows, like do you pull mm -hmm. out the windows and put the one in the, you know, paper bin and the other one in the green bin? Like, I think that's very unclear most of the time, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. even here. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely you have to kind of, work on creating like a nuanced and clear end of life scenario um so yeah that I think that yeah. that's something we also think about and uh run tests on as well um so yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> cool I think the, the folks that would be most interested in this package I think package type like would likely kind of understand the you know that they're that like to be conscious of that end of life and like that, you know, that there are mixed materials in this packaging that they're holding. And it's like a different, yeah, that, that type of consumer, it seems like is, is more open to, you know, a little, I don't know, icon or something at the bottom that just, that like yeah. <laughs> communicates to them where to put each part or something like that. So that seems that's for sure part to develop though, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a specific use question because, um, and I think I connected you with my friend, Michael, but there's a lot of paper packaging and like people out there that are working towards building in, a, like building paper packaging that isn't harmful, but so much of paper packaging has that HDPE, like that tiny mm. plastic lining. And I'm wondering if this is something useful for that I'm thinking for um yeah bottles or even like when you get ramen to go and then you pour it into that paper bowl and it has that lining you know mm -hmm. yeah for sure I mean that's uh definitely an application that we've been looking at is just paper coating um is what we call that um and yeah yeah it's it's definitely like visually it looks like a more sustainable alternative but there's still plastic in it so yeah, it's, it's definitely not the best. Uh, but yeah, so we are developing paper coatings um, to replace that specific application. That's really cool. That was really mm -hmm. cool. 
It's like one of those like insidious, like sneaky microplastic creators yeah. in our bodies and in the, the world generally. So I... <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and I, I saw that you, I, I, there's something, something on the site that mentions you have sort of like a collaboration with Nestle. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, for sure. So basically, um, since we're a startup, um, we rely at the moment a lot on uh, grants or on pilot projects. And so we collaborated with Nestle to do a pilot project, which is basically where we get to uh, work with them in order to identify uh, which uh, applications in their portfolio would be uh, suitable for our product. And then also just running tests on their machinery and um, creating prototypes and envisioning, you know, what working hands on to envision what, um, you know, this could potentially look like for Nestle. That's incredible. Um, so, yeah. What an amazing opportunity to like yeah. really show it in action. Like Yeah, for sure. And also just yeah, running using machinery is it's not free. So it yeah. these are also so doing these collaborations help us also with our R and D and uh yeah, just really being able to also work directly with um potential customers and find out which, you know, what products in their portfolio are they targeting? Um, Mm -hmm. How can we reduce their overall carbon footprint in that portfolio and how would that look like? So that's usually what pilot um, programs slash collaborations look like. And Nestle is like a big polluter. So it's really Mm -hmm. awesome that, that you're like, actually, we're gonna help you solve that. Like just kind of yeah yeah for sure I mean I think it's really important to actually work with the big polluters um thank you yeah with a solution rather than I mean yeah rather than criticize because I mean we can talk all day we can talk all day about problems um but you know I think it's the conversation about solutions and focusing and being solution driven is more interesting. Um, and so that's yep. what like at BZS really what we focus on. That's why we try not to focus too much on the problem because I think yeah. everyone is very, very familiar with the issues. And yeah, yeah I, I would say more so we're trying to highlight that this is a bet that this is the best solution because recycling is not going to solve all of our problems we're consuming and generating too much plastic in order for recycling to fully meet demand and you know there's other bioplastics that are not really truly sustainable they have a lot of toxic chemicals and additives and it's very unclear uh they're mixed with also they're also most of them are mixed with fossil um, based polymers mm-hmm. and um, and then yeah others are good 
alternatives for sure, but not as good as he, <laughs> I would say, I would say, but also like, I think it's great that there's a variety of solutions. Like we can't, you know, we can't do it all. There's so many different applications. Like we're definitely not trying to cover everything because that would right. be super ambitious. Um, so I, we're, you know, we're really happy that there are different um, biomaterials that are really emerging right now. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's just, yeah, as I previously mentioned, just important to, to be very transparent um, mm -hmm. and make it clear for consumers that, you know, just not, not being deceptive to the consumer because yeah, that's, teetering on a line of ethics you know I'm not sure that's teetering I think being deceptive to your consumer is unethical yeah okay yeah <laughs> you know mince words okay <laughs> no I no I don't I, th I think that you should I mean yeah that's standalone's main platform right yeah. is like be transparent be truthful yeah. like it, there's no For reason sure. to teeter there um, especially yeah. if you have a product like yours. And also I think that my, like I've talked to you up because I get really excited about people that we talk to. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I just talked to this company called Bezios um, mm -hmm. because we have talked before. And I always go to the most amazing thing is that it can be used with conventional machinery because mm -hmm. early on in, in environmental, we spoke with, um, a woman that helps run recycling plants around the country. And her big thing was we have one of the biggest issues, which is so much cannot be recycled or cannot be composted because people try to come up with these like innovative solutions. And then it ends up that we need to, you know, have all new machinery and recycling mm -hmm. plants. Oftentimes, if they're not, they're, they're government-based, but like they're kind of, a separate thing so mm -hmm. if they're just you know and they're, they're already super underfunded so if you need a special new machine for this one type of bioplastic yeah. or whatever it's not going to happen and all that's going to go to waste so this has a really lovely like startup life for small businesses who aren't going to invest in a new machine and it has a really lovely end of life where you can just be like goodbye like it kind of can go wherever I you know it I think if it ends up in plastic recycling, it would probably totally like be dissolved by the time it got through the entire thing, right? So it's really lovely. yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 definitely there's a lot already. There's a lack of infrastructure for recycling, and now mm -hmm. you know there's all these bioplastics and biomaterials that are like, oh, this is industrially compostable. But, you know, that requires infrastructure as well. So yep. where does that go then? then it contaminate. Exactly. So people, you know, can put it in the recycling bin and it contaminates the recycling bin. So it doesn't make, you know, the small knit of the recycling industry happy with these materials. So, it, yeah, it's very important to identify a clear, clear uh, end of life stream and make it clear for all the stakeholders, because mm -hmm. I mean, it, otherwise it's, it's good on the front end, but you want to, like, like I said in the beginning with fossil-based plastics, it's really 
the the feedstock and then end of life because in terms of use it's quite functional product but it's really those two so that's yeah. what we're trying to tackle so I would say like okay front end is good but then you also need to make sure that the back end the end of life is also good so and and makes sense and works in this system that's actually you know it's complex um it's really and complex. yeah so <clears throat> yeah definitely I would say that Vizios is definitely kind of uh leading the way in in that sense yeah we certainly think yeah. so and yeah. are your products like are they still sort of in R&D phase or are any available like and to be used by used yet I suppose yeah so um we are actually in a so the term is a technology readiness level number seven so that basically means so (laughs) so that basically means that we're not quite yet on the market we are still in an R&D phase but we have produced um tangible many tangible prototypes and uh, have several proof of concepts. Um, and so yeah, we hope to be on the market by next year though. Amazing. That's awesome. That's- Getting to seven is a big challenge. That's like, that's big. My, uh, my mm-hmm. partner worked for a company on R- like that did R&D. And mm-hmm. getting to seven was like super hard. That's the, yeah. that's the hard part. The rest of it is like, do you meet requirements and do you like, mm-hmm. can you, like, if you have proof of concept, you're most, <laughs> get there soon. I think you, I know you can do it. It's going to be so cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and the company has also, it's been around since 2018. So it's been growing for some time, um, yeah. but also has, you know, still a lot of growth to do, but yeah, I think it's, steadily been growing in the right direction wow yeah and I mean your website is really beautiful like I think it really really nicely communicates the value of the product kind of like yeah. all of the uses um as well as the issues right and then uh, yeah, yeah. I thank I you wait. I can't wait until yeah folks can like start using it for their small business yeah. Like yeah. yeah, for sure. I, I I invite you guys to just yeah stay connected with us on social media. I we're pretty active there, so it will yeah keep you updated on our news and where we're at. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And while we're talking about it, I guess you know how can people get a hold of you? Um, yeah, so you can. Uh, Either we have a contact um, email that can be reached via the website. Um, so any inquiries can be sent there. Um, also, people can contact me directly. Um, and I'm pretty good at getting back to people, <laughs> uh, or at least I try to be. And also, yeah, I mean, it depends. Yeah, you can also reach us, send us a DM on Instagram reach out to us on LinkedIn, um, whichever that works. Nice. I would say, I would say, yeah, the three main ones is just website, LinkedIn, social media. If it's a very specific request, then you can email me, <laughs> but Great. yeah. 
we will put all of that information and your handles in the show notes as well. So definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Kayla. Wow. Cannot wait to stay tuned and, and, and watch as BCOS grows. So exciting. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) Have a great day and thank you everyone. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you. Next time. Thank you. (laughs)